Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Grain Feed brought to you by EverAg. This is your weekly news feed for all things grain and all things feed. Each week, we bring you updates on the markets with unique perspectives from an amazing team of analysts with the intention of helping dairy and livestock producers manage their risk. I'm your host, Jim Matthews, reporting from the Chicago office during what has been a very wet week here in the Midwest, providing some needed rainfall across some of the drier areas of the Eastern Corn Belt, assuming those areas do not get flooded or derechoed or whatever else might have happened to our farmers this summer so far. Joining me today to help said farmers, as always, from Texas, Director of Feed Procurement, Mr. Jake Kingsley, and from way down in Atlanta, Illinois, Director of Buyer Relations, Burl, no doubt, Brather. Team, how are we today? Pretty good this morning, Jim. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be back, Jim. We're very excited to have you back. I truly, I have family members. We're at their block party last week, and they asked, when is Verl back? I said, you just wait. (laughs) Too funny. I said, no doubt. He'll be back soon, no doubt. (laughs) So great to have you both here. Paige, if you would kindly timestamp the broadcast. It is Thursday morning. It is a shortened trading week in Chicago because of the holiday on Tuesday. We hope everyone had a wonderful 4th of July. We've had a lot to report since our last recording, not just the crazy weather we've had now in parts of the Midwest, but that stunning USDA report from Friday morning of last week that shattered expectations and altered the landscape literally and figuratively, going forward. So let's turn to Verl. Verl, what on earth happened with that report last week? Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Jim, you know, this acreage report that was released last Friday had massive fundamental changes to the landscape of both the corn and the soybean markets. I mean, the 2 million additional corn acres certainly adds a a big buffer for national yields to be lighter than than trend at this point, right? And, And the USDA did mention in the report, which I thought was interesting, that the average difference between the June acreage report and the January WASDE report is 800,000 acres of corn. And the January corn planted acres number came in lower than the June estimate 15 times over the last 20 years. So stay tuned to corn acres um, or it, it, this thing's not over yet. On top of that, the dry weather across the corn belt to, to start the growing season here has raised a heck of a lot of concerns about how much potential has been knocked off the top end of realistic expectations for the national yield number. The range of guesses is is pretty wide at this point. Some analysts uh, still believe that, that the damage is probably more so minimal. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have folks that think we could expect a 10% cut to yield. And in all likelihood, right, we probably uh, end up somewhere in between those extremes. But the rain events uh, that you kind of mentioned here from the last week certainly weren't sufficient enough to consider that this crop is made, right? We still got pollination. We still got grain fill uh, coming at us. It's going to continue to be important to receive some some timely rainfall across the Corn Belt. Nonetheless, be on the lookout for a yield cut on next week's USDA WASDE report. Although there is a good chance uh, that a cut to demand uh, could outweigh the, the, the change in yield. 
The soybean market has also had plenty of volatility lately with a massive 4 million acre cut to planted estimates on last week's report. And that was certainly a shock to the market. Uh, the soybean balance sheet was really already treading lightly as, as a loss of a single bushel in national yield would have resulted in a significantly tighter balance sheet. And this acreage surprise has only amplified the importance of, of having a trendline yielder better production of soybeans domestically. As you can see here on this chart, uh, over 80% of the soybean production area in the U.S. remains in abnormally dry or drought conditions. And this is after the rainfall over the course of last week and last weekend. Many believe uh, that soybeans are, are still pretty resilient to drought in this stage. Um, and it is certainly possible that the damage to yield prospects at this point for beans is, is minimal. Uh, the trade's certainly going to continue to watch for, for timely rain to hit the soybean crop during the last half of July and, and also in August. Good deal, Verl. Yeah, the, and the, the soybean numbers specifically, and in terms of how they affect some of those viewing or listening that are feeding meal right to their animals. So the result of that report Friday, when beans skyrocketed on that reduced acreage number you mentioned, December meal futures also rallied like crazy. They went from the 370s area up to $415 per ton. It has since eased. We're currently trading around 390 as we record, but that soy number was very impactful uh, for the protein market. So very important for each side of the industry to be uh, watching what happens to beans this summer. You also noted some of these drought figures and numbers that we have just to reference where these are coming from. For those viewing these on the screen and listening, we've got some very amazing drought-focused charts and analysis on our awesome Insights portal. That is at insights.ever.ag. Very impressive work being done by Shelby and her team. So please tune into that site for some of the charts that Verl has referenced here because, as Verl noted, we had some very severe conditions here the first part of this summer. We'll reference the rains that we've had over the last week, but were they sufficient? And maybe an inch, inch and a half of rainfall in some spots is more than welcome, but did it do enough? And we have to really pay attention to some of the potential upside risk, despite the buffer that you also referenced, Burl, with this increased corn acreage. So that all being said, Jake, let's turn this to you. How does the landscape change on your side, the physical cash feed side, after these numbers we saw last Friday? Well, we've had a little bit of help on the corn feed price here. Um, we've seen this nice break in futures, as everybody knows, back down to $5 and really uh, seems like it's struggling to maintain that number, maybe a chance to drift a little lower here. And then the basis portion of that, we're seeing different pockets around the country that have now broken anywhere from 15 to 30 cents off of where they had been since first offers came out earlier this spring. We've been kind of holding out, waiting for that break, and it hasn't been, it hasn't covered the entire marketplace, but there are certainly pockets across the Western US, these rail dependent places that are going to be pulling product from the Western Corn Belt and the Plains states that are starting to see this move lower in basis. So I think it's a good opportunity to step into the market and get a little bit of something done there. I would probably advise keeping it somewhere in the, the shorter term on contracts, you know, the October to March 
March time frame, give uh, South America a chance to put a crop together this winter and get to harvesting next spring. But there's certainly opportunity on the table here. Now, the interesting part of this corn futures move is if you take a look back at a monthly or a quarterly chart, corn futures tend to live between the five and a half and eight dollar range and then down at the three and a quarter to four and a quarter range. We're now at the bottom edge of that higher range. So we're living on a little bit of a knife's edge again. Okay, what does yield come out to be? Do we run this thing back up to the sixes or do we somehow break this thing down into close to $4? I think the thing to do right now is to create some sort of a hedge that protects you from the upside and leaves you wide open to the downside. We're early enough in the year that you can do it in a cost-effective way to still give you plenty of flexibility, especially with milk prices where they are. That's going to be extremely important for a lot of these folks' P&Ls this year. If you take a look over at the protein side, uh, haven't caught quite the break As Verl said, we lost quite a few acres and we were already kind of walking on eggshells in that part of the ration. And so now we're going to need some help there. Futures have kind of bounced back. The basis seemed like it bottomed out a little bit over the last few weeks. And now it's maybe even perked up five or $10 a ton in some spots. Um, I don't think this is the end uh, for that market either. The Canadian balance sheet had rebounded as we know. Uh, We're adding crush capacity across the U.S. and Canada that could help buffer some of this bean price and still uh, drive meal values lower. We've seen soy oil rally back. That helps out again on the meal portion of their crush. So there's, there's some opportunities still out in front of us. We just need to manage it well. And then on some other uh, ingredients out there, uh, this volatility that we've seen over the last, what, month and a half now is starting to really have an effect on things like cottonseed and distillers and some of those other byproducts. They had kind of fallen off when futures were suppressed the first time and then uh, futures rallied back and they kind of jumped back up with them and they haven't come back down here with this latest break, particularly in corn. So I think we're going to need to start to really prove out the crops before we see these things hold long-term pressure. But one of the good things that we've seen is one of the highest inclusions in the ration is forage. California has got silage growing out their ears. We've hearing that the uh, rains across the western part of the belt and the plain states is starting to really have this alfalfa and hay crop look pretty pretty nice. So uh, forage values continue to drift lower and folks are, are talking more and more about putting more forage into and roughage into the ration and eliminating some of these concentrates and grains. And even some folks that haven't had the opportunity in a long time might be able to put away some very attractively priced silages for this year and a good chunk of next year. Um, so there, there's opportunity out there with all this volatility. Okay. Thank you for that, Jake. Yeah, the, the soy balance sheet that you noted there, I mean, that, that is tight, right? So the soybean prices are going to remain potentially elevated, but then to address what you addressed, the protein availability here in the U.S., in terms of the crush capacity, as you noted, we're still building these processing plants Uh, these blending facilities. So the demand to crush soybeans uh, for the sake of soybean oil is still going to be there. So the big question now, the guessing game, kind of the rest of this year and into 2024 will be, how does that impact uh, all that meal that comes to market? Um, Will beans elevate enough to bring the rising tide of the soy complex with it? 
uh, or does it naturally then kind of keep meals suppressed if the demand for bean oil stays elevated? There's just a lot going on here. The USDA really threw us a wrench uh, last week on Friday with some of these changes. So there's a lot to keep track of. Um, please reach out if you have questions on these markets. A lot of folks really need to step in at some of these opportunities for their new crop feed years. So please let us know how we can help. Gents, before I let you guys go today, we're going to have to do some bold predictions. We just came off a big old report on Friday. We've got the WASD next week. We're going to borrow from Phil and Kathleen from their Dairy Download podcast. Bold predictions. Next week's WASD corn yield. Verl, what will the corn yield number be on next week's report? I'm going to take five bushels off, Jim. I'm going to say we're going to 176 and a half. 176 and a half. So we're taking five bushels per acre off the trend-lined yield number that the government gave us just a couple months ago. Five bushels per acre off that. Jake, bold prediction, corn yield. Next week's wild. I think they're going to hit it harder than that, Verl. I think they're going to come down to 172 and a half. We got a lot of new acres. They're going to be fringe acres. Uh, we've done some damage. So I think they come in a little closer to where we ended with last year's yield. That's a big boy cut. I think we've got room to make it. Good for you, man. Excellent. Okay, that's a bold prediction. Both plays, bold predictions. Let's look at beans. What about bean yield for next week, Verl? They'll leave it the same. Unchanged. No damage done yet for beans. You're an animal, Verl. You're just an animal. What about you, Jake? <laughs> I, I think I have to agree with Verl. They beat it up bad enough on the, the acreage report last week. They've got to let this thing stabilize a little bit. I think maybe <sighs> maybe they allow the uh, meal balance sheet to improve just a little bit as they uh, shift from fewer beans to better crush. Oh, boy. I hear what you guys are saying. They got to play an accounting game with our ending stocks on soybeans. So if we start to cut yields too much now, we'll truly be hand to mouth when it comes to the balance sheet here in the U.S. I'm going to take corn yield. I want to split the difference with you guys. I want to take 174 and a half on the corn yield. Uh, on bean yield, they're going to go to 50. <sighs> they're going to take her to 50. That's going to be a tight one. It's going to be a tight one. Bold predictions. One more, you guys, before we go. It's the last one. <laughs> December corn futures are currently trading at $5. As we record at the moment, they're at $502. Let's just say December corn futures are at $5. So huge swings over the last three to four weeks with this weather market. And then this USDA report last Friday, we've seen lows near 480. We've seen highs near 630. It's been a wild stretch here. But going forward, we're trading at $5. What will we hit first? 550 or 450? Oh, 550 for sure. We'll probably get there next week. Woohoo, Jake. Burl. 450. I'm going 450. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be pretty tough to get back to 550. We got some weather issues here. We have some weather forward. issues. Weather to keep an eye on nonetheless. Okay, but, so you, uh, you guys are playing your own yield numbers then, right? That's true. I think so. Essentially based based on these guesses. Jake, I mean, that yield number for you, Jake, we're going to 550 for sure. I think so. Okay. And Verl, 176 and a half. It's a cut. It's necessary, but nothing too crazy. Sure. Bigger acreage, bigger balance sheet. We're going to push you down to four and a half. <laughs> That's right. No doubt. We'll see what no happens. Doubt. <laughs> yes, we will. Good stuff, gents. Well, excellent work to you both. Thank you very much for being here. A big thanks to Verl, no doubt Prather, for making my cousin Haley and her husband Lawrence very happy returning to the show. They're huge fans. 
Great to have your insights today. We'd also like to thank Corey and the Everag Insights crew for their support. Thank you to Paige for her production magic. And thank you to the viewers for watching the Grain Feed. Contact information is on the screen. We greatly appreciate your feedback. That's all for today. See you next time on the Grain Feed.